0: European Heart Journal case reports podcast. I am Tom Slater, podcast editor. Today, I will be discussing a case report by Yuki Hasegawa, Daisuke Izumi, Takeshi Kashimura and Toru Minamino in the Department of Cardiovascular Biology and Medicine, Nagata University, Japan, entitled Life-Threatening Ventricular Arrhythmia and Left Ventricular Dysfunction Associated with Anti-Mitochondrial Antibody Positive Myositis. Antimitochondrial M2 antibodies are autoantibodies most commonly known for their relation to primary biliary cirrhosis but are also associated with myositis. Antimitochondrial antibody positive myositis is reported to be a latent inflammatory myopathy characterized by skeletal muscle atrophy, chronic progression of respiratory muscle disorders and cardiac complications. Supraventricular arrhythmias are frequently reported in patients with AMA positive myositis However, the detailed clinical course of cardiac complications remains unclear. A 47-year-old man presented with shortness of breath on exertion in April 2014. He had undergone catheter ablation for atrial flutter two years previously. He had also undergone dual chamber pacemaker implantation six months previously for symptomatic sinus arrest. Electrocardiography prior to pacemaker implantation showed first degree atrioventricular block, left axis deviation, and poor R-wave progression, in leads V1 to V4. His admission ECG showed a pace rhythm at 70 beats per minute, and he was normotensive. Chest x-ray revealed cardiac dilatation only, and echocardiography demonstrated a dilated left ventricular cavity and global hypokinesis, with an LV ejection fraction of 30%. Blood test revealed increased BNP and cardiac enzymes. Manual muscle testing revealed mild muscle weakness in the bilateral iliopsoas muscles, however his needle electromyography findings were normal. Antimitochondrial M2 antibodies were detected, and his aspartate transaminase level was elevated, however his alanine transaminase and bilirubin levels were normal. Liver biopsy showed no findings of primary biliary cirrhosis. Coronary angiography showed no significant stenosis. Right ventricular endomyocardial biopsy revealed interstitial fibrosis with sparse CD3-positive T-cells. Electron microscopy revealed marked mitochondrial degeneration. FDG PET-CT showed abnormal circumferential accumulation of FDG in the left ventricular myocardium, including the papillary muscles. There was no FDG accumulation in the lymph nodes. Accordingly, we diagnosed the patient with cardiomyopathy associated with AMA-positive myositis. Steroid therapy was proposed, however the patient declined it. Optimal medical therapy for LV dysfunction was initiated with a beta blocker, an angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitor, and an aldosterone antagonist. A cardiac resynchronization therapy defibrillator was implanted due to concerns about deterioration of the cardiac function due to the coexistence of a reduced LV ejection fraction and frequent right ventricular pacing. Thereafter, the patient's CK, CKMB, and troponin T levels remained high, and the LV ejection fraction did not improve. In June 2018, bradycardic atrial fibrillation developed. Oral anticoagulant therapy was initiated, but catheter ablation was not performed for rhythm control because the left atrial enlargement was significant. In April 2019, he was hospitalized due to frequent ventricular tachycardia. Drug therapy including amiodarone, sotalol, and mexiletine, failed to control the VT and catheter ablation was performed. A CARTO3 system and intracardiac echocardiogram were used concomitantly for mapping. Some delayed potentials were identified at the LV anterior papillary muscle and VT was easily induced at this point. Entrainment mapping during VT was performed at the LV APM where the catheter recorded diastolic potentials and revealed concealed fusion. Suggesting that this site was located in the critical isthmus of VT. Clinical VT was successfully terminated by radiofrequency catheter ablation at this point. We performed FDG PET CT, and the abnormal accumulation in the entire circumference of the left ventricle, including the APM, was confirmed to be enhanced in comparison to that at the time of initial diagnosis five years previously. He agreed to the initiation of steroid therapy with prednisolone. After three months, the FDG accumulation had decreased and his CK, CKMB, and troponin T levels normalised. However, his LV ejection fraction remained low at one year after the initiation of steroid therapy. No recurrence of VT has been observed during follow-up. I would now like to discuss the content and background of this case in more detail. In 2012, Meadur et al. reported that 11% of 212 consecutive patients with myositis were positive for AMA and the AMA-positive myositis group showed cardiac complications more frequently than the AMA-negative myositis group. Albeda et al. reported that 5 out of 7 patients with AMA-positive myositis exhibited cardiac complications. However, there are only sparse case reports of specific cardiac complications in AMA-positive myositis, and the relationship between AMA and cardiac dysfunction has not been fully elucidated. Matsumoto et al. reported interstitial fibrosis with the infiltration of CD3 positive T-cells in the ventricular myocardium of a patient with AMA-M2 related cardiomyopathy. Sato et al. performed immunostaining for PDCE2, an antigen for antimitochondrial M2 antibodies, and showed granular staining in the cytoplasm of all cardiomyocytes. They also showed degenerated mitochondria in cardiomyocytes by electron microscopy, and reported that PDCE2 released into the cytoplasm due to mitochondrial damage, suggesting that inflammatory activation against these damaged cells could result in myocarditis. In this described case of AMA-positive myositis, endomyocardial biopsy revealed interstitial fibrosis, marked degeneration of the mitochondria, and the existence of CD3-positive T-cells, which are consistent with the findings of AMA-associated myocardial disorder. For the patient described in this case report, PET-CT was effectively utilized for diagnosing and locating myocardial inflammation and assessing disease activity. Cardiac magnetic resonance imaging may also be useful in myocarditis screening. Few studies have reported the detailed mechanisms of ventricular tachycardia in patients with AMA-positive myositis. The patient described here had re VT originating in the left ventricular anterior papillary muscle. The abnormal accumulation of FDG in the LVAPM might suggest that AMA-related myocardial damage was involved in the arrhythmogenesis, and persistent inflammation may have contributed to the refractory nature of the presenting VT. The effectiveness of immunosuppressive therapy for cardiomyopathy complicated by AMA-positive myositis remains to be clarified. In two Japanese case reports describing the administration of steroids before the progression of LV dysfunction, the CK and troponin T levels improved within three months. The patient described in this case report, presented with active myocardial inflammation and was therefore treated with steroids, but cardiac function did not improve. The patient's five-year-long period of inflammation was therefore considered to have caused the onset of replacement fibrosis, refractory to steroid therapy. In addition, conventional therapies for heart failure may not be effective without early immunosuppressive therapy. For patients with heart failure under reduced LV injection fraction, angiotensin neprilysin inhibition and SGLC2 inhibitor treatment have been shown to reduce the risk of death and hospitalization for heart failure. Since these drugs have recently been improved in Japan, the authors are hopeful to consider their use in this patient. I would like to conclude this podcast with the following learning points suggested by the authors. Antimitochondrial antibody positive myositis can present with latent inflammatory myopathy characterized by chronic progression of muscle atrophy and cardiac involvement. AMA-associated cardiomyopathy can cause severe left ventricular dysfunction and life-threatening ventricular arrhythmia. And finally, systemic autoimmune screening should be performed in cases of unexplained cardiomyopathy. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this fascinating case for us. And thank you for listening to European Heart Journal Case Reports podcasts. References in the original case report are available online, Visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR for other interesting case reports. Music is Computer by Stateshirt.